Welcome to Droughtcast. This is the fortnightly podcast that keeps you informed on the drought situation across England and Wales. We look at what drought means for people and the environment. This is brought to you by CCW, the Consumer Council for Water. My name's Mike Keel. It's the 13th of July, 2023. At the moment, only two water companies have hosepipe ban restrictions in place. These areas are Cornwall and part of Devon in Southwest Waters region, plus Southeast Waters customers in Kent and Sussex. If you're served by either of those companies and you want to know if you're affected, then look at their websites because both have postcode checkers. We'll put the links to these in Droughtcast's show notes. Coming up in this edition of Droughtcast, we will be joined by Tracy Dumford from Natural Resources Wales to give us the latest news from Wales. We'll also be finding out what people think of hosepipe bans from Hannah Bradley, who is CCW's Head of Evidence and Insights. But first, it's my pleasure to welcome Professor Jamie Hannaford from the UK Centre for Ecology and Hydrology. Jamie, welcome to Droughtcast. You are the Principal Hydrologist at the Centre for Ecology and Hydrology. So you know this stuff inside out. How on earth do you go about tracking the hydrological situation and the latest drought information? Thanks so much, Mike. We operate at UKCA to operate the National Hydrological Monitoring Programme, uh, where we produce, among other things, monthly summaries of what the hydrological situation is. In answer to your question, what we're doing is we're tracking the status of a number of key things. So uh, rainfall, river flows, soil moisture, groundwater levels, and also reservoir levels. And of course, all of these things are important. Having an understanding of the current status of all of these characteristics and how severe uh, they are in, you know, in relation to the historical record is really how we're trying to track the drought status. So what is going on right now in terms of the hydrological status and, and the drought status across England and Wales? Sure. So, for example, the, the hydrological summary we're working on at the moment, and it will be out sometime later on this week. I mean, I can just go through a few of the things that uh, that spring out, really. So what, what I will say, though, is the hydrological summary is all based on data up to the end of June. So in a sense, that's kind of already a, a little bit out of date. But we can t- also, in a moment, talk about what's happened over the last couple of weeks, because the good thing is, and this has been one of the big changes in the recent past, we also get a lot of this data, data you know, up to date in real time now. But to start with, perhaps we'll look at where, what the situation is up to the end of June. People, I'm sure, will remember June is actually a very a fine month. I think you've already had someone from the Met Office on talking about the, the June being the warmest June on record. Well, as well as that, June rainfall was also below average across most of the UK. So uh, many areas in the UK, the southwest, uh, South Wales, East Anglia, for example, having less than half of the average June rainfall. So, yeah, certainly in terms of the, the meteorological picture, if you like, the, the, the weather, then an exceptionally dry and hot month in June and really uh, following on from a period of very dry weather in the spring across most of the north and the west of the UK. But what about looking forwards? How do you, how do you, can you project this going forward, like your kind of weather forecast? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for, for both river flows and groundwater, we also have what's called the hydrological outlook, and that's projecting river flows forwards and groundwater levels over the next one to three months. And when I say projecting, what, what we're doing there is we're, we're taking uh, a range of forecasts that come from the Met Office. They're seasonal forecasts of what the 
uh, rainfall and it's going to be doing over the next one to three months for the UK. And then we take those those sort of long-term weather forecasts, if you like, and we run them through a range of uh, models. And when I say models, these are numerical simulation models that simulate river catchments for groundwater aquifers effectively. And by doing that, you can build up a picture of uh, what is going to be the likely evolution of the river flows uh, over the next one to three months and sometimes beyond. And what does that look like then? What's that telling us? And how worried should we be? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. Certainly the, the current horizontal outlook, uh, which was published only yesterday, I believe. And the current outlook is actually for a continuation, really not much change uh, relative to the, the current situation, i.e. what we're, the outlook is suggesting is that those below, below normal flows across Western Britain um, are likely to continue over through um through the next three month period, really, um, with normal to below normal flows expected, in fact, across most of the country. So where I've talked about there being very low, low river flows at the moment in the west of Britain, then the outlook is certainly suggested that uh, that kind of picture is likely to persist over the, you know, through the summer. I will add an important qualification though, that is obviously, um, I'm sure people have seen just from looking out the windows, uh, the last couple of weeks has been somewhat different to everything we've seen in June. So we're recording Droughtcast twice a month and we're in the middle of July now. So how is July shaping up at the moment? Well, I think the important point there is, although we had those exceptionally dry conditions in June and exceptionally low river flows, we've actually had a much wetter start to July. That makes it really challenging to actually assess the, you know, the in terms of the current picture and what's likely to continue, the sort of, um, you know, the, the kind of very showery conditions we've had with a number of intense and localized downpours over the last couple of weeks. Locally, that has made a difference. Uh, forecasting is quite uncertain, obviously. Weather forecasting is very challenging, especially once you go out beyond a few days or so. The current picture is for quite a showery outlook over the next, at least the next week or so. But it's actually then, in terms of what happens after that, the seasonal outlook is, you know, suggesting we are going to have more below normal river flows. But if we do see a continuation of this unsettled showery weather, then that could, could make a real difference in some catchments around the country. So the summer could go either way at this stage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I suppose what we would say is that we, based on if the conditions in June have continued, uh, the very dry and very hot conditions and the very low river flows we saw then have continued, then we'd certainly be more worried about the water resources situation. As it is, the unsettled weather has been locally very beneficial as i'm sure it would have been for people's gardens and for you know for, for agriculture and so on so but whether that showery weather is going to continue is, is the sort of big question really and whether we're going to see the sort of sustained rainfall that is likely to you know make up some of the deficits we've seen as a result of such dry conditions over such a long period in some parts of the country in the, in the north and west. So this is something we're going to have to keep a close eye on. It would be great to have you back on to give us updates in, in future editions. So thank you very much for joining Droughtcast, Jamie, and it'd be great to have you back on soon. Yeah, I look forward to that. Be happy to come back and update uh, as the situation progresses and see how we're doing with our forecast. So thank you very much. If you have any questions on drought, we would like to help you find answers. These can be anything from what hose pipe bands mean for you to the impact on drought on nature or the underlying causes of drought. Email your questions to podcast at ccwater.org.uk 
and we will answer them in future editions of Droughtcast. In the last edition of Droughtcast, we reported that the whole of Wales had moved into what's known as prolonged dry weather status. To tell us more, I'm joined by Tracy Dumford, who is Natural Resources Wales Drought Coordinator. Hello Tracy, it's great to have you on Droughtcast. So Wales remains in prolonged dry weather status. What's been driving this? As you just said, we, we announced that we were in prolonged dry weather a couple of weeks ago and we remain in prolonged dry weather, which has predominantly been driven by the fact that May and June combined as a two month has been the driest May, June since 1975 and the first third driest on record and June itself saw around 55% of the long term average for Wales and despite having some thunderstorms and recent rainfall our rivers are remaining low for the time of year and the majority of our rivers such as in the the Towie, the the Neath and the Cluid um, and our groundwater has been declining and is continuing to decline and is lower than expected. So as a consequence, um, we are experiencing prolonged dry weather, which is causing impacts to the environment, to the land and to agriculture across Wales. Um, It's worth noting at the moment that water supply is considered to be within normal operations. So our concerns are for prolonged dry weather in relation to the environment, land management and agriculture. So I was wanting to ask about that. So so in terms of public water supply, there's no impact at the moment. But what concerns for the environment does this dry weather bring? At the moment, when we were experiencing the low flows and the high temperatures, the high temperatures were causing some of the rivers to go above 20 degrees C, which is a critical for the cooler fish species such as salmon. So that was causing concern. Now, with the cooler temperatures that we've been experiencing last week has helped to reduce some of those concerns but we remain vigilant because warmer temperatures are forecast to come in. And the impacts you're seeing on the environment are they usual for this time of year or is it different this year? It may not have escaped your notice we declared a drought last year which is the next stage from prolonged dry weather and um, and we didn't have a drought before that until you know 2005 2006 so it's been some years since we've declared a drought so from that point of view we are starting to this year and last year has started to see some things happening earlier or more frequently shall I say than expected. Brilliant thank you Tracy that that's fascinating stuff and thank you for giving us the update from Wales and the impacts that you're seeing on the environment. While the focus of Droughtcast is drought, there are many, many good reasons to save water all year round, drought or no drought. If you want tips or encouragement to save water, then our sister podcast, Waterfall, is the podcast for you. Each week, expert guests share their insights on why we should value water, and it's packed full of practical advice and hints and tips on how to save water. You can find Waterfall on almost every podcast player. Those pipe bans can cause a lot of discussion and can raise strong feelings amongst some people. But what do people really make of those pipe bans and what evidence is there out there to tell us what people think? To help answer these questions, I'm pleased to welcome Hannah Bradley to Droughtcast. Hannah is CCW's Head of Evidence and Insights. Hannah, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to Droughtcast. So what research 
has been done on whose pipe bands? Well, about six months ago, we jumped into some of the high-level topics that face the water industry through our Bridging the Gap research. And this ranged from pollutions to profits. But within that, we also got a gauge of what people were thinking about hose pipe bands. And what did people say then about hose pipe bands? Lots of people had heard about hose pipe bands. And for two thirds of these people, this had no effect on their perception of their water company. But many feel that the responsibility of dealing with does lie with water companies and the government. So what we want to be able to do is shift that perception so that people feel empowered and understand that they also play a big part in protecting our precious water. We know that there's been a growing, a growing shift in how people value the environment. And this really spiked during COVID when lockdowns um, were more prevalent. More and more people were going out and enjoying uh, the local environment. So the challenge is to get people thinking about how their water use can impact on the wider environment. So is the research saying that people's understanding is, is poor on water issues or do people just not have water issues on the top of their minds? But to be honest, it's a bit of both. This m- most recent research that we've done has showed us that there's little consistency in understanding of drought or the value and need for hose pipe bands. So we've got some work to do there to help with this understanding. And we're already working with water companies to see where we can be consistent in our messaging around this. Also, it's probably not surprising uh, to hear that people wanted to know more about what the water companies are doing to play their part here. Um, most commonly, this was linked to leakage. We know that many companies already prioritise leaks during times of drought and the extra help's available to people who might have leaks on their property too. Um, these approaches do need to be more visible though before, during and after any drought. Ah, so there's a consistency in landing that point then. So on the back of the research, what, what do companies then need to do? Really, and in simple terms, it's about communication. People need and they want practical tips about what they can do to help. They also need to understand why it's important that they play their part. So involving people in the wider issue of drought and giving them a role to play uh, can really seem to be impactful and will encourage engagement with that. Um, There's an openness to people being in this together if the issues are explained in the right way. So this could include some simple things around why droughts and hosepipe bans happen, what impact a hosepipe ban can have and why it's been introduced at that particular time, how bans are enforced and what people can do to save water. And companies also need to be transparent about what they're doing to tackle the problem themselves, especially in relation to fixing leaks. Thank you, Hannah. Fascinating stuff there. And uh, I'd love to find out more about what the research is telling us. So if you do some new research, please come back on. But thank you, Hannah. You're welcome. Thank you. We're planning in future episodes of Droughtcast to have water companies on as guests so they can tell us what they're doing with the people that they serve to help manage drought situations. That's all for this edition of Droughtcast. Thanks to all our guests. We'll be back in two weeks' time with all the latest drought news. Don't forget to subscribe to Droughtcast so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.